0: Hi, everyone. This is Joy Keller, Ideas Executive Editor, and I am so excited to welcome you to Ideas' Listen and Learn CEC podcast, the fitness industry's first and only Audible CEC program. We know how busy you are, so we wanted to provide a handy way to help you listen, learn, and earn credits toward your certification renewal. Research has shown that physical activity increases comprehension. So whether you're out for a run, working out, or just doing the dishes. Now you can cement your learning through this convenient option. Thank you for joining us. Now, this episode contains information that has been approved for one CEC by more than 25 approval agencies, including ACE, NASM, AFA, ACSM, NSCA, and NFPT. In order to claim your CEC, you will need to pass a short quiz, which is available for purchase in the Idea Store. Look for the link to the quiz in the show notes. In this episode, I will read you 10 articles from our Headlines news section and 13 from our Food for Thought news section. This collection of evidence-based news stories will bring you up to date on fitness trends, exercise research, and the dynamic fields of diet, food, nutrition, and behavior change science. First, I will read 10 articles from our headlines section that were researched by our colleague and award-winning contributing editor, Shirley Archer. These were originally published in the March-April issue of Idea Fitness Journal. In addition to the link in the show notes, the articles and the quiz can also be found at ideafit.com under the Articles tab. Article 1. Group exercise helps older adults combat loneliness. Even virtual classes may have positive social side effects. The work that group exercise instructors and health coaches perform not only boosts physical health, but For older adults, may also support mental well being by reducing feelings of aloneness. Older adults who participated in group exercise felt less loneliness and social isolation, according to a study completed before the pandemic and published in the American Journal of Geriatric Psychiatry. These classes had already been shown to reduce the risk of falls in seniors, and this was the first demonstration that they also reduce social isolation, to the best of our knowledge said principal study author Allison Moser-Mays, MD, a geriatrician at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center, Los Angeles. In addition to attending classes, subjects met with a health coach. Researchers believe that guidance from a health coach is key to ensuring people stay on track. Participants ages 52 to 104 worked with a health coach to choose one of four classes, arthritis exercise, enhanced fitness, Tai Chi for Arthritis, or Chronic Disease Self-Management. Individuals had to attend at least one session to be included in the study. Some participants have continued with virtual workouts since the pandemic's onset. No statistically significant change in loneliness or social isolation was reported one month after stay-at-home orders began. Article 2. Get Your Z's Before a Big Game. Higher injury risk is linked with less sleep in athletes. College athletes who skimp on sleep may be increasing their risk for injury, according to a small study by University of Wisconsin-Madison researchers. Other studies show poorer performance, higher illness risk, and impaired well-being in athletes. Investigators reviewed injuries among 19 male basketball players during two consecutive seasons and collected well-being variables related to sleep, subjective well-being, training load, fatigue, soreness, and sleep duration. Data analysis showed that shorter sleep time was associated with more injuries independent of training load and subjective well-being. The study appeared in the Orthopedic Journal of Sports Medicine. Article 3. Gen Z Values Sustainability Survey reveals that Gen Z has values that will change consumer spending. When marketing to young adults, consider brand values. Gen Z and millennials care about sustainability and social impact, according to Cohen's third annual survey of these generational groups. 76% of 18-34-year-olds to noted that sustainability and social impact are either very important or somewhat important when purchasing apparel, footwear, and accessories. Notably, this reflects an increase of 13% from a similar study in 2018. Nike ranked first as the apparel and footwear brand that most aligns with social values and beliefs around sustainability, with 35% of 18- to 24-year-olds and 28% of 25- to 34-year-olds supporting the brand. Article 4. Jump for Effectiveness Is this a valuable new movement analysis method? By analyzing ground force patterns after subjects jumped as high as possible, Australian researchers were able to devise a simple method of evaluating training or rehabilitation progress. Edith Cohen University scientists analyze participants' moves using a technique that you can use in the home or gym to assess whether your training or rehabilitation from an injury, illness, or disease is on track, according to Principal Investigator Anthony J. Blazevic, Ph.D., professor, ECU School of Medical and Health Sciences. Since preliminary findings are promising, investigators intend to continue testing the method on other movements, such as walking, stair climbing, and running. If successful, the approach could be applied by fitness professionals as well as medical professionals to evaluate training efficacy. Find the research in Royal Society Open Science. Article 5. Fitness App Research Likely to Increase FitTech influence still needs to be measured. We all have our favorite apps, and if you're like most fitness professionals and enthusiasts, you're partial to many different ones, or at least you know about them. Spanish researchers examined the current state of fitness app research by analyzing studies published between 2011 and 2019. The team found that most studies are in the fields of medicine, computer science, and health sciences, And most relate to app performance and function, potential benefits for chronic disease treatment, and app's influence on public health, motivation, etc. Researchers predict future studies will include more focus on consumer motivation, engagement, and behavior. Read the study in Telematics and Informatics. Article 6. Apps and Websites for Older Adult Training Virtual options fall short. Fitness professionals who are passionate about training older adults may want to consider developing digital and virtual exercise options. Why? It seems there aren't many to choose from, and the need is great. A comprehensive study from the University of Manchester in England reviewed strength and balance programs that could prevent falls in older adults living independently the researchers found only four apps and eight websites to recommend. Criteria to evaluate programs included quality, credibility, and user-friendliness, use of evidence-based exercises, and behavior change techniques. Researchers selected programs designed to improve balance through the transfer of body weight and did not include 3D continuous movement routines such as Tai Chi. Products were not evaluated for effectiveness in randomized controlled trials. Four of the top apps are Standing Tall, Otago Exercise Program, Nimble, and Keep On, Keep Up. Websites include ageuk.org.uk, csp.org.uk, exerciseright.com.au, fallassistant.org.uk, healthline.com, mayoclinic.org, and more. The study is open source and available in BMC Geriatrics. Article 7. Resistance Training Tips to Minimize Infection Risks Study offers methods to adapt weight training to reduce virus transmission. Rebuilding customer confidence in personal gym-based training requires not only taking extra safety measures, but also communicating what's being done. During the pandemic, fitness professionals can adapt resistance workouts so that clients can still achieve health and immune system benefits from training while minimizing COVID-19 transmission risks. The following tips from an international scientific research group offer insights into practical, evidence-based ways to adapt resistance training that meet new logistical and health challenges during a pandemic period and especially immediately after, as reported in Biomed Research International. These tips are in addition to usual measures taken to disinfect equipment, ensure physical distancing, and to maintain safe air exchange. Wear masks. Allow for an adaptation and familiarization period for training with protective masks. Choose masks that optimize airflow while still offering protection. Studies show tolerance improves with familiarization. Program fewer reps. Studies show that high repetitions result in higher oxygen consumption and pulmonary ventilation. Use this opportunity to train with heavier weights. Use longer intervals between sets. Shorter rest intervals involved greater oxygen consumption and ventilation. A good compromise may be a two to three minute rest interval. Cue slow, controlled movement. Faster movement velocity uses more oxygen And involves more ventilation. Have fun with multi-joint exercises. Following a few complex exercises with low-volume reps enables a shorter, more efficient workout that requires less equipment and less space per person. This reduces exposure to potential infection and decreases the need for disinfection. This training approach provides multiple benefits. Slow, controlled reps allow for more time under tension and contribute to building muscle strength and size. Low-velocity weight training can increase muscle strength and size in older and young people, even when absolute weight loads are low. Study authors note that optimal training results are still best achieved in professional facilities with trained personnel. Article 8 running and mental health. Comprehensive review reveals a strong relationship. Running has important positive implications for mental health, particularly depression and anxiety disorders, note study authors in a comprehensive study review in which running included jogging, sprinting, marathon running, orienteering, and treadmill running. Findings revealed an impact on multiple aspects of mental health and positive as well as adverse mental health outcomes university of edinburgh researchers in scotland reviewed 116 studies to illuminate what's known about running and mental health and to highlight knowledge gaps and research priorities in addition to benefiting multiple physical health markers running influences depression anxiety self-efficacy stress well-being self-concept self-esteem, mood, eating disorders, and addiction. In 16 of 47 studies that compared runners with non-runners, runners runners had lower levels of depression, anxiety, and stress, greater well-being, and better mood. In studies with runners only, some adverse effects surfaced, including exercise addiction and eating disorders. Habitual or long-term recreational running was linked mostly with positive mental health associations. In contrast, there were associations between high or extreme levels of running and poor health. In studies that compare different settings and multiple running bouts, findings suggest that running improves mood, that outdoor running benefits mood more than indoor running, and that most running intensities improve mood, except when intensity is markedly above lactate threshold. Research gaps exist relating to those under 18 or over 45, clinical populations, and diverse demographics. Limitations of the current study included its small sample sizes and unclear mental health outcome measurements. For future trials, study authors recommend clear comparisons of running types, settings and intensities in relation to specific mental health outcomes. The study is available in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. Article 9. Fitness helps kids who need it most. Consistent physical activity boosts children with poor cognitive skills. New evidence supports the value of physical education programs for kids, not only for physical health, but also for cognitive health. Consistent participation for several months in activities such as aerobics, ball games, and TAG improved cognitive function among school-age children who performed poorly on a cognitive skills test before the activities. Three studies included 292 children ages nine to 13 with a broad range of cognitive performance. Researchers from Japan, the US, and Switzerland reported their findings in the Journal of Clinical Medicine. Previous studies looked at the issue too broadly, said study author Kaita Camijo, PhD, associate professor at the University of Scuba. When we broke down the data, we were able to see that physical activity helps children the most if they start out with poor executive function. Because the cognitive functions evaluated in our study are related to academic performance, we can say that daily physical activity is critical for school age children. Article 10, California schools eliminate minimum PE requirements in pandemic. FitPros may want to consider how to help kids meet activity needs. The elimination of minimal requirements for physical education in California public schools highlights a critical need for children's programming. Fitness professionals may want to brainstorm how to fill this gap. In March 2020, California's Governor Gavin Newsom waived public school physical education requirements. California law had required 200 minutes of physical education every 10 days in elementary school and 400 minutes every 10 days in middle and high school. California school teachers are working hard to help kids stay active during the pandemic, if only by leading a few hours of virtual physical education per week. However, many challenges remain. According to EdSource, a survey of 489 California teachers found that students are turning off their cameras and teachers are concerned about liability issues related to virtual classes. The survey was conducted by the California Association for Health, Physical Education, Recreation, and Dance. Experts note that in a context where inactivity among youth is already a problem, the pandemic is making things worse. The fact that schools no longer need to meet minimum activity requirements means that kids are not getting much-needed support from public school programs. That concludes the readings for headlines. Many thanks to author and contributing editor Shirley Archer for her research and writing. Next up, I'll read 13 articles from our Food for Thought news section that were researched by our colleague Matthew Cady, a registered dietitian and cookbook author who is also a James Beard award-winning journalist. These articles were originally published in the March-April 2021 edition of Fitness Journal. In addition to the link in the show notes, remember that the articles and the quiz can also be found at ideafit.com under the Articles tab. Article 1. Close to home, many more American cities could feed themselves locally, study finds, As concerns over food security rise, more interest is being paid to the possibility of urban centers feeding themselves instead of relying so heavily on imported calories. For that to happen across the country, we would need to tweak the way we eat. An analysis published in Environmental Science and Technology studied how population, geography and diet could affect localization of the American food supply. Researchers concluded that reducing average meat consumption from 5 ounces to 2.5 ounces per day would, in many areas, greatly increase the potential for making food supply more local, within about 150 miles. Some grazing land could be used to produce other necessary foodstuffs and or a greater percentage of the meat consumed could be raised and processed closer to the point of consumption. Growing fewer export crops and crops for biofuels near population-dense areas would also free up land to localize the American food supply. Still, even if residents adopted a vegan diet, some large cities, such as New York, Boston, and Miami, would need to import non-local food to meet demand. Metropolitan regions in the Midwest and Pacific Northwest are much more capable of growing all their necessary food within 150 miles. The researchers found that more food localization would leave the U.S. with a surplus of land that could be used to grow crops for export or biofuel purposes or even be converted into conservation areas. Article 2. Mega Heart Healthy Fat Omega-3 fats offer up a dose of cardio protection. Heart disease remains the leading cause of death in America, but omega-3 fatty acids can help. And the more the better. That's the conclusion reached in a comprehensive review of the role omega-3s play in cardiovascular disease prevention. A meta-analysis of 40 clinical studies involving more than 135,000 people found an association between supplementation with the omega-3 fatty acids EPA and DHA and a reduction in risk for multiple types of cardiovascular disease, including heart attack. The fact was dose-dependent. Investigators determined that consuming more EPA and DHA than people typically get from fatty fish like salmon and sardines decreased the risk of heart problems even more. For instance, adding an extra 1,000 milligrams of EPA and DHA per day cut the risk of heart attack by 9%. So if people are not consuming adequate amounts of omega-3s through dietary sources, then supplementation with guidance from a physician, could help close the gap, particularly for individuals at risk or who have a history of heart conditions. The review was published in Mayo Clinic Proceedings. Article 3. 35% More plants, lower emissions. 35%. That's how much greenhouse emissions would drop if Americans replaced half of the animal-based products in their diet with plant-based foods, according to researchers at the University of Michigan. Notably, their report, titled Implications of Future U.S. Diet Scenarios and Greenhouse Gas Emissions, centers around the idea that going full-blown vegetarian or vegan is not necessary. We can make a difference by simply choosing chickpeas over chicken more often. Article 4, Food Fight, Choosy Eating in Kids Tied to Demanding Parents. Well, it turns out some parents are making their children's picky eating habits worse, and this can have lasting dietary repercussions. An investigation published in Pediatrics followed 317 mother and child pairs for five years and found that requiring children to eat and restricting certain foods were tied to some of the pickiest eaters, while fewer restrictions and less pressure to eat were associated with lower levels of picky eating. Parents completed questionnaires when their children were four, five, six, eight, and nine years old. Not to be overlooked, the study did not show that children outgrew picky eating behaviors within the span of the study. Such behaviors, including shunning vegetables or being overly nervous about trying new foods, could leave youth with lasting aversions to nutritious foods required for proper development. The take-home message here is that parents who decide to be the food police won't help their kids turn the corner on fussy eating. Instead, families can take more constructive approaches at the dinner table, like exposing children to new foods multiple times, but not insisting they eat them and not forcing youngsters to clean their plates. Article 5. Appetite for exercise, not food. Why intense workouts tame hunger. It seems counterintuitive, but working up a serious sweat could reduce, not increase, hunger. Scientists from Canada's Wilfrid Laurier University determined that lactate, a molecule that's produced as a byproduct of intense exercise and builds up in muscles and blood, suppresses levels of ghrelin, a hormone that drives the desire to eat, and bumped up levels of two other hormones that reduce appetite. And subjective reports of hunger over the 90 minutes following a workout were indeed lower when lactate was higher. The remaining question is whether subtle changes in appetite hormones have any meaningful impact on long-term patterns of calorie intake and body composition. But since this research offers evidence that intense exercise can affect weight management in a way that goes beyond more calorie burning, it's more reason to turn up the heat, when possible, on your client workouts. The research was published in the Journal of Applied Physiology. Article 6. Red Meat on the Chopping Block More science is showing that we should have a beef with eating too much beef. Red meat remains a staple in the typical American diet, but it appears that if more people got their protein fixed from other sources, it could help in the ongoing battle against type 2 diabetes. A joint investigation between researchers in Denmark and at Harvard University discovered that replacing some red meat intake with other protein foods, including poultry, fish, legumes, dairy, and nuts, during a four-year period, was associated with a 10 to 18% lower risk of type 2 diabetes in the subsequent four-year time frame. Nearly 150,000 adults participated in the study. The drop in diabetes rates, reported in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, was found to occur whether people replaced unprocessed or processed red meat, but the effect was stronger for the latter. That means serving up salmon or lentils for dinner more frequently than sausage. Article 7. Word of the Day. Fecundability. Is there a link between diet and fertility? Fecundability means the probability of a woman conceiving during a normal menstrual cycle, and that may be influenced by what's for dinner. Inquiring minds from Boston University School of Health discovered that women in North America and Denmark who wanted to become pregnant and consumed higher amounts of lower-quality carbohydrates, including added sugars, refined grains, and carbs with less fiber, experienced lower fecundability. Article 8. Frostbites. USDA releases tips on preparing frozen foods safely. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, people have been preparing more meals at home, a trend that's likely to stick around. A research from the U.S. Department of Agriculture suggests that many home cooks may not know how to handle frozen foods properly, which can elevate the risk for foodborne illness. To address that risk, the organization released a handful of guidelines to help us use sub-zero foods safely. Here are the finer points. To prevent cross-contamination, make it a habit to thoroughly wash your hands with hot, soapy water before preparing frozen food and after handling raw frozen products. A USDA survey found that 97% of participants did not wash their hands during meal prep. Even if frozen products look cooked because of grill marks or browned breading, for example, handle these items as if they were raw and prepare them according to the package directions. They are not safe to eat without adequate cooking. Don't guess. Use a food thermometer To determine when frozen meat products are safe to eat. Meats are not the only foods that can be unsafe. Frozen veggies may also carry bugs that cause foodborne illness. So even if you're preparing vegetables like corn or broccoli for a cold salad, be sure to heat them adequately. Finally, check that the frozen food stashed in your freezer hasn't been recalled. You can do a search on the USDA or FDA websites for this information. Article 9. Vote citrus for more muscle. Higher vitamin C levels may protect muscle mass as we age. Here's news that will please citrus growers. A study published in the Journal of Nutrition found that adults with the highest levels of vitamin C, a nutrient commonly found in citrus fruits, berries, and vegetables, had the greatest estimated skeletal muscle mass, compared with those who had the lowest levels. The investigation included more than 13,000 men and women ages 42 to 82. Vitamin C status was analyzed using data from seven-day food diaries and blood samples. This finding is important because people tend to lose skeletal muscle mass as they get older, and that contributes to frailty and reduced quality of life. As an antioxidant, vitamin C may help defend muscle tissue against the destructive power of free radicals. Article 10, Fructose and Glucose, and Nasty One-Two Punch. Better health is sweeter than sugar. Consuming the high-fructose corn syrup that has become ubiquitous in our food supply appears to be hazardous to our health, mainly because the sweet substance contains both fructose and glucose, as opposed to just one of those sugars alone. In a study conducted at the University of California, Davis, 145 participants average age 26, consumed beverages containing fructose, glucose, high-fructose corn syrup, or an aspartame control for two weeks on four separate occasions. After each intervention, they had their blood analyzed for known risk factors for heart disease and diabetes. While triglyceride levels shot up the most with the fructose-only treatment, a duo of risk factors, LDL cholesterol and apolipoprotein B, increased most sharply when subjects consumed the high-fructose corn syrup, suggesting a unique interaction between fructose and glucose. Many cardiovascular experts believe those risk factors are predictive for heart disease. Evidence continues to mount that good nutrition involves more than looking at individual food components. Diet should be studied as a whole to determine how items like sugars and vitamins may interact with each other for better or worse. Article 11 More Americans are doing without the number of food insecure people is on the rise the plethora of food related shows these days may have you believing food is abundant for everyone in the US but the number of Americans experiencing food insecurity jumped more than twofold in recent years increasing from 8.7% during 1999 to 2000 to 18.2% in 2015 to 2016 according to a study in JAMA Network Open. The prevalence of food insecurity among Black Americans rose from 12% to over 29% during this period, while the rate increased from 6% to 13% for white Americans. Rates of obesity were particularly high among those who struggled to access enough healthy food. Findings were based on data from the CDC's National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, involving more than 46,000 U.S. adults. Concerningly, a separate investigation in health promotion practice found that adults dealing with food insecurity had a 58% higher risk of premature death than those who were not food insecure, with cardiovascular disease being a big player in early death. Food security likely means going without nutritious options like fresh vegetables that can help with disease and obesity prevention. Since the pandemic is fueling food insecurity, more unemployment, fewer in-school meals, new policies are needed to ensure that more Americans can outfit their kitchens with enough healthy provisions. Article 12. The Gaming Diet Flop. Video game use may affect dietary choices. The explosive growth of the video game industry may be leading to less-than-stellar eating habits in young men. As indicated by food diaries, male college students who were moderate or heavy video game players, at least one hour daily, ate more saturated fat, salt, and discretionary calories, that's the calories left over after meeting nutrient needs, than those who did not play video games. Now this is according to data from the University of New Hampshire, presented as part of Nutrition 2020 Live Online, a virtual conference hosted by the American Society for Nutrition. Game fans also consumed fewer fruits and vegetables. Since early adulthood lifestyle habits, including diet, tend to continue later in life, it's important to learn if gamers will end up as adults with lousy diets and a higher risk for obesity and certain diseases. Researchers also need to uncover whether video games' advertisements play a role in these findings. Article 13. Question of the Month. Are menu calorie counts a health savior? Calorie labeling requirements that came into effect for menus in U.S. restaurant chains in 2018 could save tens of thousands of lives and billions of dollars in healthcare costs. So says a study in Circulation, Cardiovascular Quality and Outcomes. Researchers created a simulation model to assess what would happen if the labeling rule led to a moderate 5% reduction in calories consumed during an average restaurant meal among 1 million Americans, ages 35 to 80. Over a lifetime, having this resource available to make more calorie-conscious menu choices could head off an estimated 135,781 new cases of heart disease and 99,736 cases of type 2 diabetes, while adding 367,450 years of life in good health researchers concluded. That would save more than 10 billion dollars in health care expenses and nearly 13 billion dollars in lost productivity and other costs to society. Notably, the Tufts University investigators assumed that half of the saved restaurant calories would be offset by additional calories consumed by diners elsewhere, including at home. If restaurants continue to reformulate their menus to offer more dishes made with lower calorie ingredients and smaller portion sizes, then disease rates and health costs could drop further. Do you believe these restaurant menu calorie counts are as effective as this research concludes? That marks the end of the readings for Food for Thought. Many thanks to registered dietitian and subject matter expert, Matthew Cady, for his research and excellent writing for Food for Thought, our popular food and nutrition news section. This concludes the education in this episode of the Idea, Listen and Learn CEC podcast. Again, I'm executive editor Joy Keller, and I'm so happy you joined me for this episode. I appreciate your attention and your dedication to being the best fitness professional you can be. Quick reminder that this education has been approved for one CEC by more than 25 certification agencies. In order to claim the CEC, you will need to pass a short quiz, which is available for purchase in the idea store. The link is in the show notes. Stay tuned. We have more exciting content that has been approved for CECs coming soon.